0: We're aware that your journey was difficult, but prepare to have your questions answered. For you have been granted an audience with the Masters of Modern.
1: Welcome back to Masters of Modern. I am your host Alex Kessler
0: here with my co-host Ben Bateman. What's up, everybody? How's it going?
1: Good. Cool. They can't. They can't talk to you.
0: Yeah, it's true. I, I guess that's true. I was just looking at cards, and I just was distracted because the new Chandra is so sweet. It's it's really sweet. It's so sweet.
1: So yeah. So uh, today we're going to be talking about speaking of Chandra, Kaladesh, and other things. Uh,
0: packs. Yeah, packs. PAX, happened. Pax the West world happened last weekend. The world champion. Yep. There's a lot of modern. A lot of um, modern. You know, there's a really cool storyline happening going to Kaladesh. That's what I want to talk about today. He doesn't want to talk about <laughs> it. <laughs> I actually
1: don't fully know what this... I mean, like, I vaguely know. You know, I mean... Paying attention to the story helps. We know that there's a, <laughs> a Tesserit, a new one coming coming down the line, Yep. if you pay attention to the story, which Ben doesn't. Uh, so yeah, Kaladash. I guess we can, we can talk about that as soon as we tell people to follow us on Twitter. We're at the MMCast. Oh M-cast. yeah,
0: we're at the MMCast. I'm, I'm at Cass Wiley. Uh, I'm at Ben Bateman Media, and this is our 99th episode yes. of the podcast. We've done we 90 99 episodes
1: and a hundredth ain't one. I would start
0: remarking about how crazy it is to have done 99, except we're going to be doing that next week when we talk about the hundredth, so yeah. yeah. So here's the
1: deal. Before we get into anything else, for all you guys out there, this weekend, Saturday, the 10th, yep, we will be recording a extra, extra, extra long episode, live streaming it, hopefully with video, if we can figure it out, uh, from 1 p.m. Pacific Coast time this Saturday until we're done counting down the top 100 cards in modern history. Yep. Um, so that will be us counting down 100 cards. It won't be a battle. We won't each have our own 100 list because mm. that would be...
0: Yes, yeah, it's, it's gonna be a long stream with guests, and we're gonna be doing so. It's the the thing to uh, distinguish here is that it's the top 100 cards in modern history. So, this is gonna be sort of like it's not like the top looked, 100
1: cards right now.
0: Well, yeah, it's like if you've ever looked at a list of the top 100 anything you're interested in, let's just compare it to sports because that's the easiest thing to classify. If you were gonna look at like, say, the top 100 NBA players of all time, that list would be comprised of guys that. Had like won a lot, guys who are younger but were really impressive. Maybe guys that had very short runs, but then like got injured. Maybe guys that got bit like blackballed from the sport. Point is, um, it's not supposed to just be things now because there have been cards that have been banned that were good before. There were cards that were originally banned that have been unbanned and are now good. Um, it's all about when there are cards things... that were unbanned and aren't. Good. Yeah, it's all about you know, the idea of things being significant and relevant in the competitive modern space. At some
1: point, in a way that significantly affected the format.
0: The best example I can give, that, and you guys will experience this, is uh, Treasure Cruise, which was an incredibly dominant card for one season, but didn't last more than a season. So that gets to be an impressive card, but not an impressive card in the context that just because on power level it would be like a top 10 modern card it gets knocked way down. So that's kind of how we're going to break the 100 down. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to work very hard on the list. We've been honestly working on the list already the last week and a half, two weeks, like really trying to refine it. So we have a really Years. strong, yeah, strong idea. Um, and, and, and,
1: and make sure, you know, go right now you can go to our Twitch channel. That's officially the MMCast Twitch. So it's twitch.tv slash the MMCast, which is the same as everything else we have, like Twitter and Facebook and everything else. Uh, and go subscribe so you get alerted when we... Uh, Start broadcasting 1 p.m. this Saturday. It's 1 p.m. this Saturday, the 10th. You guys will hear
0: our sister podcast mates on the podcast, hopefully. Uh, Jimmy and Josh, who have a podcast of their own called The Command Zone. They are also on rocketjump.com currently. Um, They do an awesome podcast. And then last but not least, um, we work with DMTW Clothing on their lifestyle brand. They make our products. They're awesome. We have this super, super cool play mat that's for sale. It's got our faces on it. Um, we helped design it. We think it's awesome and those guys are great. So dmtwclothing.com and if you guys want to help support the podcast in other ways, you can go to patreon.com slash the MMCast where Which we have...
1: how we're doing our live streamy thing. Yep. And, and it's also the reason we're able to start posting videos on YouTube recently. So we're using the donations from Patreon where we've been able to afford editing every week's episode into a video version and you can go to our youtube channel to
0: find that we have an editor mike clary who's awesome that does that stuff and that is because of the patreon so if you guys want to keep helping the podcast that's the way to help it's really really cool and it's all described on there what we do so let's get into the episode today guess what do you want to start with uh i want to talk about pod racing don't do that and by that i mean vehicles and how sick they are oh that's cool yeah Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Go. So vehicles, guys. Vehicles are this thing that just got introduced uh, in the in the Kaladesh spoilers. And as you guys know, if you listen to the show, we like to do we like to do a full set review episode where we do like our top tens.
1: Certainly after we get our hands on the cards.
0: Um, but before that, we often will do kind of like a preview episode.
1: So we're gonna, today we're going to talk about the different mechanics. We're going to talk about some of the cards you know spoiled in the first weekend. Yeah. Um, how we feel about the set. Where we think it might be going.
0: So there's a lot of stuff. Um, first, should we talk about energy counters?
1: I think I, I, vehicles. I just brought it up. Oh, you want to talk about vehicles yeah, first? Yeah. Okay, sure, yeah. I was so, there.
0: so vehicles are this That's thing, I guys. I want to talk about. <laughs> it's like, uh, and there may be some of you don't remember that there was, there was a time when, you know, equipment was not a thing. There was a time when, plane go- when planeswalkers weren't a thing. Like, they, they introduced these new mechanics, and sometimes they seem kind of crazy, and the vehicles... So do we think vehicle... Well, first,
1: okay, the way vehicles work is they're an artifact that comes into play. It has a power and toughness, but ignore that for now. And then it has an ability called crew, and then it has a number. And what that basically is, is you can tap any number of creatures. Uh, you have to tap the amount of creatures equal to how big its crew cost is, and that will animate the vehicle no, to attack. Is,
0: cont- you continue to be incorrect. Read
1: it out loud. I, I'm, not, I'm but, wrong.
0: <laughs> it's the number. It'll say crew two or crew three. What it is, is you have to tap creatures whose combined power equal at least that number. So if you have crew one and you have a one one, you can tap that one one and it'll power crew. If it's crew three and you have a two one and a one one, you have to tap both of them to equal three, the power of the crew. That's what's necessary, correct? Sure. Okay. <laughs> Just making sure, because it seems like we we don't agree on this, even though it's written clearly in front of us. <laughs> if you want to keep goading me into. Whoa, shots fired. <laughs> All right. So. Kessler was wrong about Vehicles how are th- on the podcast that's true. and I was called out about it.
1: Uh, they're sick. Goat? Do you think? No, no, no. Goat's kind of lame. But these. <laughs> yeah. Um,. I'm really hyped about vehicles. I, do you think they're going to be evergreen? You kind of led that with with equipment and uh, well, those be- walkers. I mean,
0: those became evergreen. Um, I guess they started evergreen. Yeah, I guess yeah, they, equipment
1: they're just became evergreen, and planeswalkers. Yeah, it's true. Just became evergreen.
0: Um, this seems like a this seems kind of like a specific kind of like a specific plane uh, type of deal. Like having having tons of vehicles lying around, I could see this being something that exists on different planes because the I think the idea of having a vehicle, it's not like a vehicle has to be an artifact on an artifact world, it could be an artifact on any world.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, look at Geist Catcher Rig on Innistrad, or, yeah, you know, every plane has some type of thing that steeds drag around.
0: Yeah, so I think, I mean, I think that's, um, that's definitely a thing. Like, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised if it became it. I guess it looks like we have uh, Sky Sovereign Console Flagship. That's the, that's the one we've gotten so far that's uh, mythic, mythic there costs five. It's a six-five flying legendary artifact vehicle. So, so I will say one thing for how. Oh, you, you read the rest of the card. Whenever Sky Sovereign Console Flagship enters the battlefield or attacks, it deals three damage to target creature or planeswalker, and opponent controls. And it has crew three. It's pretty sweet. It's pretty beefy. I
1: mean, based on what we've seen so far, and there could be one that's printed that's just bonkers and great. Uh, I would be
0: surprised if vehicles make any type of big splash in Modern. They don't. Yeah. Well, I haven't. They, they haven't. Pr- they haven't shown us any yet that have cheap enough cost to high enough upside that you could imagine actually throwing them in. Right. And that's not to say that this mechanic doesn't have that possibility,
1: but sometimes I have to separate my I love magic, and this is a modern podcast, so we're designating cards. This is the coolest mechanic in the set to me, but it has nothing to do with its playability in modern. Yeah. Because so far I don't, I and I can't imagine a world where they would push one for modern, but maybe they will, and that'd be awesome because then I get to ride my vehicles into the sunset.
0: I mean, modern. I guess there is something to be <laughs> said for like... I guess there is something to be said for like Sky Sovereign console flagship. Like Not not to say that that's going to necessarily be a modern card, but the co- thing that's cool about these vehicles is that you get to play them, and then if you have a creature in play already, you get to then just tap the creature to essentially give the vehicle haste. No, no, no. Um, Other
1: way around. The vehicle needs to have haste. If you can have this just in, in play, and then when you play a creature, the vehicle essentially gives that creature haste. the ability to have haste because it can then crew the ship without having to...
0: Right, but well, also, but if you have a creature already in play and you play the Sky Sovereign...
1: Artifacts st- still have summoning sickness if they become creatures.
0: Really? Yeah. Are you 100% on that? I am 100% on that. You read the ruling on this already? Yeah. Oh,
1: really? But that's. I mean, that's how all permanents work. That's why some of them have haste. Like, you, uh, an uh, equipment, one of these things wouldn't have the ability haste if it didn't need it.
0: Oh, got it. Okay. Yeah, you're right. Interesting. Hmm. Um, that, that's sort of confusing to me, but I guess it makes sense.
1: Well, it, it's like land, man lands. If you can a man land to come into play untapped... Yeah. They can't just attack.
0: I know it's just weird the idea of a vehicle. It's if it's a vehicle, or meaning, if, if
1: if you animate anything with Tesserit, yeah, Adrian Bulis minus that just came into play. It can't attack.
0: No, no. I mean, I, I think from a ruling standpoint, what you're saying makes sense. I think the reason I'm confused is that from a flavor standpoint, when you're trying to like sort of imagine the way that one of these things works, it's like equipment doesn't need. Haste because it's like a thing that somebody that's living gets well, to use. Well, look at
1: the other way. It, I mean, yes. It's the same with the vehicle. It's but like, that's part of the rules working the way they do. But on the reverse yeah. end, this works like a vehicle because if you just have a dude, vehicles let it have haste. Yeah. any Like a dude doesn't – you can be summoning sick and still drive. I've yeah. gotten off an airplane from Hong Kong, super mm. jet lagged and driven a car
0: before. So, moving on to some of the other things we've seen. Um, crew is pretty cool. I don't
1: recommend doing that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't really... I haven't seen any crew things that, like, blew my mind yet. We've seen... So, that's the
1: first one. What's the next? The, the next mechanic is energy. Let's talk Let's talk energy, because that's the other super complicated one.
0: Uh, yeah, so, there's this new thing called energy, and it's a symbol that we... We haven't had this, like, thing in magic. It's, like, it's one of those weird things where it's, like, a, it's, like, a new thing on a card. It's weird, actually, to have crew and an energy symbol in the same set, because they both feel sort of, like... Do you know what I mean? They feel different. They're actually new. It's not like a continuation of something we've seen, the evolution of something we've seen. E-
1: either one of them could be the breaking the mold, double face-esque, like, we're trying something new. Yeah. mechanic of a different set, and they're doing both in the same set.
0: Yeah, so, like, uh, let's see here. Here, Here is a Voltaic Brawler. It's a one red, one green, creature, human warrior. It's a 3-2. It says when Voltaic Brawler enters the battlefield, you get... Two energy counters, and they're symbolized by a little lightning bolt inside of a pentagon looking thing. Yeah. Kind like of looks, like looks like a star. Kind of looks like a star. When Voltac Brawler attacks, you may pay one energy. If you do, it gets plus one plus one and it gains trampolines until the turn. It's a cool idea, right? The idea of having sort of like an artifact world or like a, a world with many, many cool artifacts. Well, so, so
1: I, I Morrow kind of posted in this article earlier this week, but basically, um he designed this for original Mirrodin. this is one of the mechanics he came out for that and that's where charge counters came from yeah and the original idea for charge counters was that all of the different charge counter artifacts could access the other charge counter artifacts um but then when he passed it over to development development like there's a lot here we need to cut some stuff back so he was like oh, i'm gonna save this for another set because this is a cool idea um and put it in his back pocket he tried making it work in uh, Alara block it was, right. it was, it was I think, one of the first tries at being the uh, Esper mechanic. Right. Um, but back when that was also like colored artifacts were their thing, and that was too much. So they kind of held back on that. Um, so now we're here. And this is the, the third artifact plane we've been to basically since.
0: Yeah. It's cool. It is cool, right? That when you play a thing, you get the two energy counters. And then if the thing dies, you just have the energy counters for the next artifact that mm-hmm. you get that uses them. I think that's interesting, and that should be a lot of fun to play with.
1: I, and I do think this, of the different mechanics, this is the one... I think, has the highest chance of seeing play in Modern. Yeah. Um, I mean,
0: I'm a little disappointed, as I usually am, when I feel like it... When design feels a little parasitic,
1: which is... Well, that's... I mean, like, the card you just read, the red-green one, like, completely fine on its own. A 3-2... Yep. Like, a t- what is it a 3-2 when it comes to play, or a 2-1? I can't. It's a 3-2 as Ben hits the microphone. Yeah. <laughs> I was simbling uh, while I drank yeah, water, yeah. and I- uh, <laughs> A 3-2 that it's essentially is a 4-3... Um, for two turns, and then it loses its counters unless you can kind of refill it with another one. Because that's what's cool is they also work together really well. Yeah, like what they've done is every single one kind of works with itself, and then just if you have more of them, they do extra good things with each other. And I think that's an interesting—that's an interesting way to do a parasitic mechanic versus something that like requires like processors versus ingestors. Yeah, were so inherently, like one does not work without the other. Yeah. These are, or like one doesn't work unless you really set it up. These function insularly and then just get extra beefy when you play with another one.
0: Yeah, it's nice. I mean, it's nice that you can play with multiples. It's the kind of thing that the second time they go back to this plane or that they uh, use this mechanic, it will make all of these cards more interesting and fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll have fun with them, but it's going to be hard for something like this to work well in modern. That's the thing. I, think, I think a, a 4 I think 2 th-
1: for 2 is, a 4 3 for 2 is like pretty modern playable.
0: Yeah, no, that's good. I, what I'm trying to say is that I think generally speaking the reason like when I whenever block constructed used to come around as a competitive format, the mm. reason it was so frustrating is like these cards are all designed to function with each other. So the best version of this is it can't be that powerful because it has to be designed to work within standard and standard can't be that powerful. Mm-hmm. You expand it to standard, it's kind that. of the same idea. The reason that modern is so interesting is because you can combine something weird with something else weird and old and, and redundancy starts to exist when you have similar designs and similar mechanics which is what creates i think such kind of cool brewer's paradise type of decks um so that's something like this is really fun the first time it's always more fun the second time but it's nice that something like voltaic brawler is a good card on its own and, right and i like the way that energy plays within all the cards I and, guess
1: and cool. you still get proliferate and there's still older mechanics that do function a little bit with this it's just Yep. None of those have been extraordinarily pushed, partly because of Planeswalkers. Because Energy, if I were to compare it to anything, is very similar to loyalty counters. Yeah. And they've been very careful to make it so loyalty counters aren't breakable.
0: Yeah, do you kind of wish uh, in some ways that uh, Proliferate had been brought back in the set? Um, I think it would have been fun.
1: I would like Proliferate to be, be brought back. Yeah, for sure. The set is a place to do it. There, I mean, yeah.
0: Maybe it comes back in the second set. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? I mean, um,
1: Tezzeret's coming back, and he feels like he was the... He has nothing to do with proliferate, but he he was really.
0: I thought he did. I thought. Oh that, no! Yeah, he does. He totally he, his does. Card That's draw it.
1: spell is uh, a flexy mana. Yeah. Two or three draw. Uh, yeah, it's proliferate. it's called. It's and draw called
0: Tezzeret's Gambit. Yes. So yeah, he's sweet. proliferated.
1: Yeah. Oh, so so the last new mechanic is like a very much. This just just feels like a a more like a, a does the does uh, the development team kind of built it? It's the fabricate fabricate where it's. Whatever fabricate X and X is either you get that many thopt or er, tokens or you get that many plus one plus one counters on the creature. Right, which is like they've done this a bunch of times. It's a like it's definitely going to be good. There's like anytime you have a choice with a versatile versatility ability, you're going to have a card that is theoretically very constructive playable if they print it at the right stats.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Fabricate seems just generally good. Like, you have Cultivator of the Blades here. uh, Green, green, three, Elf Artificer. It's a 1 1, Fabricate 2. When this creature enters the battlefield, put two plus one plus counters on it, or create two 1 1 colorless uh, Servo? Salvo? Servo. Artifact creature tokens. And then it also has whenever Cultivator of Blades attacks, you may have other attacking creatures get plus S plus X until end of turn, where X is Cultivator of the Blades power. So, um, it's kind of an interesting. Like sort of tenuous design uh, idea there, right? That you can put. Yeah. Uh, it seems fine. I mean, this seems very simple. If their plus one plus one counters or their creatures, it works well with. It works well with both proliferate and populate, which is fun. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. it Yeah. It seems cool. You get to create artifacts for things like metalcraft and well, affinity. And that and that's the other. That's the 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 last word that they added this time. And this
1: one is for sure evergreen. Yeah. Create. So we no longer. Put a token in the battlefield. We create tokens. Interesting. Yeah. It's kind of like how dies used to be enters the graveyard.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that kind of makes sense, doesn't
1: it? We, like you literally said it as it's now meant to be used three times in a sentence just because you naturally already do it. Like no one's going to notice the difference. They could yeah. have not announced and we would all be fine. Yeah, I didn't um, even
0: notice the difference. So those are the three new mechanics. Um, I think of the three of them, I think my favorite is the second one. Um, well, Energy? Really? No, maybe not. Actually, maybe f- maybe crew like is cooler. Crew is definitely cooler. It's gonna. I vehicles guess vehicles are a sicker. Yeah, it's gonna be. I guess, but I haven't seen any vehicle yet that I've been like blown away by.
1: True, so uh, I agree. I I one hundred percent love vehicles more for them being vehicles. Yeah, this is something I posted this on Twitter as soon as vehicles were spoiled. It's surprising how much I love fictional cars and vehicles, or just vehicles in general. So X wings these right vehicles in general and hate cars and hate like real world airplanes like i could not have a conversation with a a person about their car but i will talk to them about the difference between an x-wing and a b-wing for like two hours
0: and then there's also a wings yeah and then am i missing one or those are the three there's a y-wing there's a y-wing there's also
1: those are are the ones in the 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 original movies movies, yeah Yeah. there's now a u-wing the new rogue one's gonna have a u-wing in it cool
0: yeah u-wing like the new york knicks patrick knit u-wing yeah, yeah, exactly <laughs> like that. <laughs> Let's move on. So uh, other things that they have sh- just thrown out, a couple things that we'll, we'll talk about further in the actual set review. But Dwarf we, tribal. Uh, dwarf tribal is a thing. Sweet. yeah. glad dwarves are back. We have enemy colored lands, which yep. is something we've been... We, didn't we call that? Didn't we predict that like several weeks ago? I swear we predicted that like several we weeks ago. We might have. We were literally talking about like design space. Like I think probably the cycle we'll see is the enemy colored fast lands. And I was like, yeah, I totally agree with you. That's probably what's going to happen. Twitter let us know. Did we say that a couple weeks ago? I think we did. Um, they have premiered uh, these the, the planeswalker decks, planeswalkers, which are like these weird sort of like underpowered. So, so
1: basically, what they decided is for the beginner product. They like were so centered around planeswalkers, but the planeswalkers were never included and impossible to get. And they want these planeswalkers to be a bigger face of Magic, right? As we've noticed with the Gatewatch, that they are now printing really, 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 really bad planeswalkers. To well, low, good in this. Low, power. low power level. Yeah, low yeah, power. bad is a strong word. Um, that like our standard legal, modern legal, we could play with these Planeswalkers once this set comes out. We never will.
0: <laughs> because there's a Chandra and a Nissa, but there's also, they've also now previewed the real Chandra and the real Nissa in the set. Do you so, know that
1: there has never been a set that Nissa showed up in that Chandra wasn't also in
0: that same set? I didn't know that. Um, I, we will specifically <laughs> talk about each of the cards later. There's a there's a three-drop Is It Planeswalker called That's Sahili sick. Ray, which she, is very cool. She might be
1: the best card so far spoiled for modern. She's really good. I like her a the lot. things I want to do with her in Sun Titan.
0: Chandra, touch of defiance is the big. That's the big story. The
1: best card in the set.
0: That's the big story. Um, She's really good. We will talk about all of that in our set review, though. We don't need to go into specific cards. I don't think quite yet. Sure. Um, I mean, if we do want to talk about Chandra, maybe for a second, because there was a lot of conversation about it.
1: Planeswalkers are good. Yeah. This. I mean,
0: when I read this card and I think about four ability planeswalkers, four mana Four ability. When I read this card and I look at what it does, it. It feels a lot like Jace the Mind Sculptor to me. Like, it doesn't feel powerful in the same way, but it definitely feels like this card is really good. It might be way better than it even looks, um, and this could end up being, like, a huge powerhouse.
1: Yeah, it, basically it traded the ability to lock your opponent out of the game for a uh, mana-producing ability.
0: Yeah, it's uh, like it's it, it's yeah. got a, I mean, it ends up having sort of a similar ability to Garrick 1, to um, Garrick Wildspeaker. Yeah. in the sense that you get to play it as a four drop on four loyalty. I think Garrick was a three loyalty, if I remember correctly, right? I think he was, because it was minus one, make a three, three, and you could do it three times. You, uh, I,
1: Garrick came in as a four at three. You can plus to make him at four, and you yeah. can alt at four.
0: You can alt at four. But yeah. yeah, yeah. so this this is a plus one for add two red. comes oh, down to five. It might be four to five. I mean, yeah, okay. Um, it also has a plus one to exile the top card of your library. You may uh, cast that card... Um, if not, it ends up dealing two damage to your opponent. Uh, it has a minus three of four damage to target creature and a minus seven with uh, when you cast a spell, it deals five damage to target creature player. You get an emblem that says that. So um, it's really good. Like I, I tend to really, really, really like that first Garrick plus two untap two lands ability because you can use that obviously with acceleration lands. But the great thing about it is like if you like to build decks that have low curves and a lot of really like... Uh, Cute and Cantropy and efficient spells. Two mana is just the right amount of mana to be able to play a four drop and still do something to protect it. I think I think the fact that
1: she comes into play and can kill anything, not anything, but a lot of things in the format Yeah, is really good. I think the fact that she can come in and start being a threat is really good. I think the fact that she can come in and start drawing you, because she really has five abilities. Yeah. Because you... That, that The plus one where you draw a card or do two damage is two abilities on the same Planeswalker yeah. ability. Super so hard. like she's really a
0: five-ability Planeswalker, which is bonkers. Totally. It's bonkers. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think Chandra's really sweet. There's a lot of other cool cards in the set. I think we should probably save save most of them for our set review. But sure. that's kind of what we've seen so far that's been exciting. Um, somebody pointed out the card Pia Nalar, which is going to be fun to talk about that. Uh, we'll get to talk about that yeah. a little. Is Kieran Nalar going to be the set as well? Or bad. that. Oh, so he will not be in the spoiler side. alert. But yeah, he di- in the Magic
1: Origin story, like he dies, and you like on camera see him explode, and then you like she like Chandra as a child runs to her family home or the refugee home their parents were staying in, and it was on fire, and she's like, "Oh, my mom's dead," and then she gets captured, and then they try killing her in a coliseum or something,
0: but but she survives.
1: Um, yeah, she planeswalks. walks. That's how she got her spark. Da-da-da-da. There's a card called Chandra, sweet something. Sick, the cuter one um, kind of tells that story, but yeah, so she's alive apparently.
0: So wow. that is what this we're going to talk about today with Kaladesh.
1: Yeah, well, what do you, what do you, what's your thoughts on the like whole plane itself? I know you don't love story that much, but like the flavor of a cool art, like a happy artifact land.
0: Uh, it's like so. It's like com. It's like uh, Laro and Mirrodin combo. Well,
1: basically. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's what, what people have actually. What what the wizards were describing it was um. Uh, you know steampunk yeah it, it was aether punk so it was like happy versions of steampunk
0: um, it seems fine to me i they're they're the happy the happy planes i tend to look back on like less favorably like lorwyn and morning tide the design is like kind of lame in my opinion it's just not my favorite okay um but the thing is it's and well, I what about like ravnica though Ravnica is awesome i would say ravnica is a happy plane but Ravnica is like no, it's City of Guilds. It has like dark, dark alleys and brokers and like all kinds of cool stuff. Oh, but this has the things. Yeah, yeah, no, agreed. I'm just saying like in general. But but I wouldn't have necessarily, I wouldn't have necessarily called Kaladesh like a larwin type plane. And I also love artifacts. Like, artifacts are historically my favorite part of the game. So, the fact that there is a three man planeswalker in the set is really, really cool to yeah. me. The fact that, like, and she's, like, very good. <laughs> yeah. And the fact that there's, like, that Chandra's great. I really like that there's so many cool artifacts. I Perfect. like energy counters. I, I just think that that's, Yeah. I, I think, like I said, when they bring those back a second time, that's like, going to be a very fun thing to play with mm-hmm. in modern.
1: Um, yeah. I like I, it. I do think that this set might be the best set for Planeswalker in the modern yeah, since origins I guess but th- really th- ever cuz that Nissa
0: is no joke by the way. It's 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 a five drop yep. but it's really
1: good. I like the fact that on turn 4 you can play Chandra and then on turn 5 you can play Nissa and Liliana. Yeah. in the same in the same turn cuz you can buy back Liliana in your graveyard.
0: Yep. All right.
1: That's That's moving buying on. Buying it back. <laughs> All right. So, so World Championship Three, yeah, Brian Bronduin. Brian, Brian Bronduin one one day of standard, one day of uh, limited and one day of modern, which makes it exceptionally relevant to
0: yeah. Us. The the days mixed together a little bit. It's like standard end draft, um one day. I think it's modern and draft, though I'm not quite sure. Um I watched bits and pieces and then I've now watched uh some of the coverage of the matches I watched uh JC Tao playing against Brian Bronduin and like I think like the semis or something like that. Uh Bant Eldrazi is what Brian was playing, and he ended up winning the tournament with that deck. Yeah, um JC was good. playing Black White Tokens, which was like a pretty interesting deck choice, I thought. Um there was some pretty cool stuff. We we can talk deck lists a little bit. Uh, I guess we'll start with Bant Eldrazi just because it's the it's the winning deck. Watching the matches, something that became very clear to me. And we had talked a lot during the banning episode, the post-banning I have Ugin episode about the power of mana creatures with the Eldrazi. Yeah. Because we had said if you play a turn one bird or hierarch, um, and then you play a turn two Eldrazi temple, you can still get turn two Thoughtnottseer, which is very good, really good. And that's <laughs> even without Iavugan, like you're still able to get turn two Thoughtnottseer. Thought so um, that's interesting. That happened a bit. The card that blew me away the most, though, because in in the third game, Bronduin ends up actually coming back in a game that really looks like he's done against JC by top decking Reality Smasher. And reality smasher is so good, but I would say smasher is amazing. The best card in his deck appeared to be Eldrazi Displacer, though.
1: Yeah, Eldrazi Displacer is nuts. That's why it's that's the reason you're playing white in that deck pretty yeah. much exclusively because that card is very, very, very good.
0: Yeah, like that card's great when it get when like and against tokens. I felt so bad for JC. I was like, oh my god, the timely reinforcements should have just like totally put you back in it. And then like is just like. Dry Eldrazi Temple gives me the right. It gives me the right math to be able to blink two of your tokens. Next turn, blink your other <laughs> token and play Reality Smasher. Like you just lose. Yeah, it's just rough. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, that,
1: I mean, that deck's the real deal. Um, the the what's interesting about the World Championship for Modern specifically is because it's a you know like in the Pro Tour, it was already weighted where because draft was so influential on how your record did. Being the best deck in the format did not. Or being the player that had the best record did not mean you had the best modern deck necessarily. Right. Um, This is compounded. So the fact that that's three different events that they go through, and modern is kind of the last ones that they end up playing means that you know how well your deck does versus how legitimate it is in the format is not the same as a random modern GPU or random modern FNM. Right. with that said, I do think that's one of the reasons a lot of the decks in this top uh, that these players chose were a lot of probably what their safe choices were. They walked in this tournament thinking, all right, I have standard that I have to beat, and I have to be really good at LJ draft, and I have Modern to deal with. Yeah. Of those three, I've played Modern the most. The deck that I had picked for Modern, the format has changed the least since I started playing you know, in the last year. Yep. And so I'm just going to play the deck that I've been jamming. For, like, make sure it's a good metagame choice, make sure my deck's not de- dead, make sure I do some testing with it.
0: Um, but pretty much all of them have picked decks that, like, they were comfortable with. Right. Well, I mean, we can talk, so, so let's talk quickly about the actual metagame breakdown. Um, we'll sure. talk about some of the other specific decks as well but um, provided by Wizards of the Coast at DailyMTG.com yeah so uh, there were 8 Abzan decks in, and out of 24 players obviously so there's only 24 players but it's 24 of the best players in the world um, 8 Abzan decks 2 jun decks 2 Bant Eldrazi 2 Living End 2 Titan Shift which is a newer deck we've talked about a little bit One Scape Shift, one Affinity, one Infect, one Dredge, one Abzan Company, one White Black Tokens, one Goryeo's Vengeance, and one Thing Ascension, which is the Thing in the Ice Pyromancer Ascension deck that Ryoshi Tamada played at that Grand Prix we talked about, I think, just last week. He was in the top 24 with the same deck. So, uh, Which is... Sweet. It's super it's sweet. It's so sick. <laughs> yeah, right? It's like not even playing Snapcasters, right? It's playing four Thing in the Ice, four Pyromancer Ascension, and all the spells. Yeah, all the spells. And that's how it wins. Yeah, four Man of Morphos. Yeah, that deck is awesome. Yeah. So. Um, pick it up, people, unless something gets banned. I would get banned of that. Nothing. Yeah, so that was. pretty good to say if that's, that's picked up. And it's probably cheap, too. Reasonably. Yeah 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 move on um so that's like pretty cool uh you definitely had some pretty interesting decks in there i think some of the ones that stuck out to me as most interesting would be uh black white tokens uh that jc Tao was playing that may be the most interesting deck in the top eight only because it's such an unexpected choice um things that he was playing in that deck that i thought were really cool were uh he was playing four asylum visitor in the sideboard He's yeah, because like they're, they're like just very good in the grinding matchup. Yeah, he, his thing was that he really liked playing Liliana of the Veil in this deck as opposed to Spectral Procession. He wanted to play a more disruptive game plan. So if you're going to play Liliana's, then bringing in Asylum Visitors in the grindier matches are great.
1: Ooh, passing the turn to a player with Liliana in play, and with no creatures in play, and having Asylum Visitor in your hand, and having her plus and getting the Madness your own, seems yeah. really sick too. Yeah, right? Against just Jundex? decks. Okay.
0: Seems awesome. Yeah. That card's just super sweet. Yeah, man. yeah. Um, I've loved that card for a while. I think
1: I, th- I do think that's a card that will see play more in modern as people pick it up. Like, this is kind of the, how it starts. Someone played it, did pretty decently, and yeah. then just kind of roll over and do a little bit more as time goes on.
0: A few of the other decks, we've talked a lot about Goro's Vengeance. Um, there was one Dredge deck. We've talked a bit about that. Abzan Company. There was only one true Abzan Company with the infinite uh The infinite stuff, Malera was,
1: combo version?
0: Yeah, and that was Shout Yasuka, who's very good. Classically a very good magic player. Um, there was one Affinity, one Infect, and then you start to get into Single Scape Shift, a so couple I, copies of Titan Shift. I do want to talk about Titan Shift. So I think
1: that after this and after the Triple GP weekend, we can very much cement Titan Shift as a pillar of the format, almost.
0: Well, you were saying that it reminds you a lot more of those old school Valica decks when Valica was in Standard, right?
1: Yeah. So like... You know, forever, and that's what kind of the... There was a, a rug slash bring the light scapeshift shift deck that also was in the top 24, or these 24 decks. Like, that's kind of the classic version of the modern version of this, where it's counter-magic, I'm a more of a control deck, tempo deck that's just trying to get to enough lands, because a control deck is trying to do that anyways, so that I can play Scapeshift and win with counter-magic up. The Titan shift decks play a lot more similar to Valcun and Standard, which was much more about playing Kalini hard expedition playing as many ramp spells playing creature ramp spells until you can get a primeval titan into play or in this in, in this case scape shift yep. as your backup plan and then just start beating face with the fact that Valakut you have a bunch of bounties play and playing Valakut comes in like you can theoretically dome someone for 9 if you untap with a primal, or sorry twelve if you untap with the primeval titan.
0: Yeah, it also has elements to the deck. So so you're talking about the old Balakut decks. It all has as also has elements to the scapeshift decks that were so popular, those those rug ones you're talking about with the counter magic, where you would play against them and you would be unclear if somebody was going, I'm going straight scapeshift, right? And then then sometimes the sideboard plan would be that they would bring in like six or eight beefy like, threats against the Bruno your...
1: Titans or uh the against Lillian of the Bills you bring in obstinate bailots.
0: Yeah, and, and that was a thing that you would have to worry sometimes that those decks were gonna do. This is kind of like an accelerated version of the sideboard plan. They'd have Thrag Tusks and Primeval Titans in the sideboard. Yeah, you cut you cut blue, so you
1: make your mana a little bit better. Yeah. Because um, 'cause you're no longer trying to play Scapeshift, Cryptic Command, and have, you know, the eleven mountains you need in a deck for this deck to yeah. function. Um it's definitely really interesting. I, I think that obviously this deck did really well last week and it was one of the m- the best performing decks of the triple GP weekend. Yeah. And in this format, I mean, once again, it shows its face as one of the few decks that had more than two copies in the, in the top 24. Yeah. Or in the 24.
0: 100 percent So Jen's uh, there.
1: Jen will always be there. <laughs> yeah. And, so- and like, In fact, there, like all these are decks that people kind of are classically known to play. So we've been talking about this and this has been a little bit more on Twitter. And last week it was we were all about diversity in the format and we were a bit a little bit defending it. And then Twitter, I started kind of going from the other perspective. Um, Yes, this format is a little bit more mid rangey and controlly than what the format looked at at the GP weekend. Right. But that's why I want to temper that with these are pros who spent most of their energy getting good at draft and standard for this event. They got I mean, good at modern, and they definitely practiced for it.
0: Reed Duke and Brad Nelson both said they play, played Jun because, like, they, I was like, we can't change who we are. Like, it's a deck we know. There was eight other pros that played Abzan decks. You play those fair decks that you know how to navigate the field. It's like, I mean, that's why you had 10 out of 24 playing traditional mid-range decks. Um, and you, some of the things that we talked about the triple GB weekend are becoming much more stock now. So you had Grim Flare showing up as a three of in a lot of both the Abzan and the Jund decks. You had, um, oh, one of, one of the things that we thought was uh, was so cool, we kept talking about last week, Collective Brutality showing up as a two of in the main deck in a lot of these decks. Um, that's the, that for, for those of you that don't remember, is the Escalate, Discard a Card, two-drop Sorcery with the three abilities of uh, making them discard an instant or Sorcery, minus two, minus two in a creature, or draining a creature for... Draining an opponent for two life.
1: Yeah, and then you know people are now playing the new Liliana as a one of to accompany accompany their three or four other Lilianas. So it's either your fourth or fifth Liliana of the Veil. Yeah, it makes um, sense.
0: I mean, it's a good Liliana. It has a slightly different ability. Um, it's uh, it has a targeted ability, which is nice.
1: What's cool about it is it's good against the decks that Liliana the Veil is bad against. Yep, where it can start picking away X ones and things that are going wide, while Liliana the Veil has normally
0: problems if people have. You know, three lingering souls tokens in play. You know one of the big reactions was that we ended up with two copies of Living End in the top twenty four. Which Living End tends to just be that deck that it sort of flutters in and out of being competitive. It just
1: disappears for a long time. It's an amazing metagame choice here. Yeah, the fact that whoever, who, whenever the people that came up with the Living End choice were like, you know what, pros are going to be playing the decks they're comfortable with, or they're going to be playing. You know, there's a lot of really good creature decks right now, and Living End gives me a instant speed um, board wipe that also is great against these grindy decks and, like, very, very smart to kind of play that into this format. Right. Other uh, than the Scape Shift decks. I guess it has a terrible Scape Shift matchup.
0: Yeah, it's bad against Scape Shift. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, I mean, that's... And you had, obviously, Bantaldrazi we mentioned already. And uh, that pretty much wraps up the metagame. Um, when you got to the top four, we'll just quickly talk about those top four deck lists, the guys that really made the biggest impact. Um, let me just.
1: Uh, so, so why you find that? I do want to go on a, uh, looking at modern diversity and looking what the format could use and be unbanned or banned or whatever. Because we are moving towards that ban announcement, um, and because next week we're doing our hundredth episode, we'll probably get a ban restricted announcement before the what next app? episode that we have nothing to talk about that we have to come up with something. <laughs> and then even then, I think we're doing our set review. Um, Been a lot of arguments on Twitter. Uh, I started with a statement. Surprising of, for you. <laughs> we should ban um, become immense and unban Stoneforge Mystic, Jace, GTA, preordain, uh, Punishing Fire and Bloodbraid Elf.
0: You're nuts. That w- no no no.
1: It, that was partly the spark <laughs> discussion and see where it went. I have been whittled down through arguments and, and good points all around to preordain. Stoneforge Mystic. Stoneforge Mystic, Bloodbraid Elf. Those are the three. Those are the three cards that I think should open And they all have different reasons. I think Bloodbraid Elf took a hit. I think with the new Chandra that it's not even an obvious answer. I don't even think that's correct for that to be your four drop anymore. <laughs> if right. you're playing Junt. Um, on top of that, Kalidus is also like very good against Dredge and very good against Abzan Company. Like you have to be very aggressive to make Bloodbraid Elf the correct choice there. Um, I, even going into Culligan's Command, that's like good with Affinity being good, but I don't think that's great. Preordain is the new one because we've talked about Stoneforge Mystic and I'd recommend going back to the episode. We have an entire episode about Stoneforge Mystic being unbanned. Preordain, though, is new. That's the big one. Uh, Looking into it, I think Serum Visions makes the format more aggressive. I think Serum Visions is bad on turn five, but great on turn one. So it encourages your deck, if you're trying to use Serum Visions, to play cards that let you win capitalizing on your Serum Visions as early as possible.
0: And you're saying that you think... So you think it would be better to have Preordain in the format with Serum Visions?
1: I think there's an argument to be made that having all eight could make decks like Storm a little bit better. Mind you, Storm hasn't placed in a long time, so Storm getting a couple shots in the arm isn't a terrible thing. And worst case scenario, Wizards bans Grape Shot. <laughs> um, but Preordain would allow decks like Blue-White or Blue-White-Red or other kind of more controly decks to be able to find the answers they need in their sideboard to be able to fight off some of these linear decks that are so diverse. Because one of the problems in modern right now could be argued that it's really hard to be able to fight affinity and dredge
0: and and uh, infect. I mean, how so if you're going to say sleight of hand would, in theory, allow those decks to do this exact same thing in a little bit less good way, but it would in allow a much them, worse way. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not going to say that it's in a much worse way because if the point is to be looking through two cards, to be digging two cards, putting something into your hand and digging for a card, like. It's certainly not as good as Preordain, don't get me wrong. But if decks were going to do that, I think they could just load up on that cantrip, and they haven't. That's not a very played card. I think Preordain would definitely increase the potency of something like Storm. Would it factor in as a 6th, 7th, and 8th copy of Serum Visions? Would people play Preordain over Serum Visions? Would that be the 4 of? I do, I do. Well, I, well. do you think Serum Visions
1: or Preordain is better as a card?
0: Serum Visions, uh, Preordain.
1: So, yes. I think Preordain becomes adopted over Serum Visions more often than not. But giving people the ability to... Because like the problem with Serum Visions is turn six, it's terrible. Right. Because you're like, oh, I draw a random card and I set up and I lose. Where Preordain gives you ability, which is what's important, to do that late game. But Preordain is also good turn one, where that's where Sleight of Hand kind of loses its oomph.
0: Hmm. Um, I personally don't think we need Preordain in the format. I don't think it makes the format well, But do you better. think
1: a card should be banned if it doesn't deserve... It's not powerful enough to be banned.
0: Um, I guess it was banned in a different time. Um, it was also
1: banned alongside Ponder, Ponder at the exact same time with Splinter Twin in the format. Like
0: that's what I was saying. It was banned when the format was in a different place. I mean, yeah. it, Splinter Twin being legal is the biggest one. Um, I'm trying to think what the next best combo deck that would use eight cantrips to dig that w- would be like
1: maybe Ad Nauseum decks like Life's Finale or not Life's Finale, um, Angels Grace, Angels Grace. You don't die this yeah. turn? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, it might. It, I think it, it does more to diversify the format. And yes, so, but most of these combo decks that people have problems with aren't blue. And blue would make them worse. Like, blue is not good right now.
0: Would it make, like, deck, decks that people have tried building... Um, there are so many fringy combo decks that have existed in modern over the years. There's always going to be
1: like, that's good. Give them a chance. Do like you think that playing giving them four worse.
0: four more really good cantrips in their decks? Okay, take a deck like, this is a weird example, but take a deck like the uh, Jace Architect of Thought Doubling Season deck. Like, take that deck and be like, okay so if you give that eight cantrips, does that make that deck like just like Aren't you're saying you that's a
1: bad version like I would love to live in a modern world
0: where that deck was viable I just mean like <laughs> things that are, get are really backbreakingly powerful on turns four and five and giving you eight ways to get there instead of really four I mean maybe not you might be right I just think it's still, I think, a f-
1: it's still you say it all the time it's still playing eight four and five drops in their deck I, like the issue you run in more to is but but look at the other side now I have a better chance of finding my stony silence on turn three. Or turn two. Yeah. Now I have a better chance at finding my, uh, you know, ancient grudge. Now I have a better chance of finding my uh, rest in peace. I feel. So I don't have to play f- like my my graveyard slots are so strained.
0: My feeling on preordain is that I really like where the format is. I like the role that Serum Visions plays, and I think Serum Visions is enough for the decks that want an effect like that. That I think for them to unban a card they had previously banned not really feeling like they needed to to add something to the format, and then if they found that it was too powerful having to ban it again or ban Serum Visions, would be foolish. That's why I don't think it's necessary to do. But, the, I mean, every almost every other card they banned has been fine, and I don't think
1: Preordain is more powerful than some of the other cards they've unbanned. Right. And on top of that, I think the format needs a better way of finding answers. Okay. And I don't think is that much powerful than Serum Visions, but it does lead to a more late-game-focused deck being better than what Serum Visions currently allows. Right. All right, so uh, what are the top four decks from the World Championship?
0: World Championship top four decks. Um, So you have Brian Rondoon playing a Drazi deck. Um, It is pretty much what we have come to expect. Uh, It's not really all that crazy. Um, You have his... Wait, that's his standard deck. Oh, I wish Tamiyo Field Researcher was in the uh, modern deck. <laughs> deck is so card is so sweet. Uh, scrolling down, try to get this to load on me. Uh, here we go. Okay, he in modern. So it's pretty much what we have come to expect. It's playing, um, it's playing four Noble Hierarch. He is not playing the One Birds of Paradise. Um, it is four Reality Smasher, um, four Eldrazi Displacer. Four Thought Nut Seer, three Matter of Shaper, two Eldrazi Sky Spawner, three Drowner of Hope, one Spellskite, four Ancient Stirrings, two Dismember, four Path to Exile, and one engineered explosives, and twenty four lands.
1: And I, I do want to point out the Sky because that once again is a card that like I think people would overlook as a card that would be good. But yeah. it's so important against a affinity and Infect. Yeah. Which, you know, the the Black White Tokens deck, when you read it, it the, the update on it, like they're like we're playing these cards because partly because it's good against Affinity and Infect because it can block those flyers and this can do that. And yeah. it's slightly better because it can block something that has X2 power so it can block an Ornithopter profitably. Um, and beyond that, the ramp on it gets
0: you to be able to cast, say you draw the wrong lands or just cast some of your big beefy cards a turn earlier. Bron Dune is playing two copies of Elspeth Sun's Champion in the sideboard. He said that's good against the grindier decks like the Abzan's and stuff. I think Elspeth Sun's Champion is really good.
1: Yeah, to the extent that like if I was junned, I'd start really considering running one Dreadbore over a Terminate. Hmm. Partly also because of just in general Delirium, because there are now reasons to play Delirium with your yeah. uh, the. the Flares. Traverse the Ovenwald.
0: Oh, yeah, Flares. Um,
1: but beyond that, I think it's just getting rid of Planeswalkers, especially with the new Chandra possibly in our future. Yeah. And the blue-red Planeswalker is going to become more and more important.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess we talked about it a little Flyer bit before. Fire now. It's going up. We talked about Maybe. it a little bit before, okay. but Eldrazi L- Displacer is just nuts. And it's funny because that card doesn't look that nuts when you look at it. It just looks like good, but it's nuts in this deck. Um it's just good being able to blink things, and it's also really good if you need to slow down your opponent and make them not be able to attack you.
1: Pretty good th- it's pretty good with Thought Nuts here, just by itself, but like, just being able to stop your opponent from doing anything is like yep. a decent ability. And it's a 3-3 three, three for 3.
0: Yeah, and also, like you have it, the, your Eldrazi land is, is like your soul land. It makes that ability cheaper, which is yeah. sweet, so that's really good. Um, moving on to the next deck, you have Marcio, Marcio, Marcio Carvalho, who Carvalho... <laughs> who was the guy that lost in the finals to Brian Bronduin, and he was playing a Grimflayer Abzan deck. Um, it's again, this is he has the two copies of Collective Brutality, which is really cool. He has a three and three split on Inquisition Thoughtseize, four Lingering Souls, and a Maelstrom Pulse, um, two Abrupt Decay, four Path to Exile, three of Liliana of Veil, vale, one Liliana of the Last Hope, um, one Engineer Explosives, and then his creature suite is three Grimflayer, three Ooze, four Goyf, two Tassiger.
1: Um, yeah, again, I gotta like flare is just showing up more and more in these Jund and Abzan lists. That like it's it you we re, you really need to like keep an eye on this card.
0: Three shambling vent is that common? Did I miss that in Abzan? Uh, theoretically, if you're more black than you were green than before, like if you yeah. want to be able, I guess that must be a thing. I I always thought that there was just there's a little bit of a split on the shambling vents and the stirring wildwoods. I mean, shambling vent seems generally very good compared yeah. to stirring
1: Wildwoods. I mean, it's like a better... like a, I'd rather beginning life than just having Reach,
0: but... Gets bolted, though. It's a 2-3. Sure. Um, interesting. So that is that deck. Uh, sideboard stuff. One Elspeth's Son's Champion in his sideboard. Three Damnation. Uh, another Collective Brutality. Nothing else. Another Liliana of the Last Hope. So two between the main and the side. That's cool. Yeah. Um, let's move on to... Oliver 2, this is the Titan Shift deck we were talking about. Yep. Um, this is, yeah, we went over this list pretty pretty extensively already. Um, Colony Heart Expeditions. I think the one interesting thing
1: to talk about Colony Heart Expedition is the fact that I think Abrupt Decays are seeing less play. And it makes sense. The format has gone away from what um, Splinter Twin used to force it to be. Yep. So there's more four drops. They're less game winning if you can't kill it. with. There's less counter magic, so it's better to play cards like Terminate because that hit, more things in general, um, which makes cleaning heart expedition more playable because you no longer just get blown out by an abrupt decay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We've covered this list pretty extensively. It has yep. two Anger of the Gods in the main deck, two Summoners Pack, there's another cool part of it. Uh, and the sideboard is pretty we I think we went over this list pretty much last week. So yep. um, we go over the last deck, and that is Abzan Company, played by Shota Asuka. Um this is a very stock company list. There's well there's there's a
1: good conversation like Company can't change very easily. Yeah, They're so like, that's true. It, it, it's one of those decks that like you have a few, you have to have this many cards, this many cards, of this many card, and then you have like three slots to be able to really be creative with. Yeah. And how much better are they, your choices going to be than the previous
0: deck? And that's metagame choice, but for the most part it's pretty stock because you just have to have it be. I guess the one thing in here that's cool is the two copies of of the Foremost in the main deck. I like that card a lot. It's actually a card that has surprised me to have not seen more consistent it's, modern play. It's seen more play
1: because of Dredge. Dredge became such a big powerhouse in the yeah. last three months that it's she's become more standard in the list.
0: Because those of you who don't know what it is, it is a... Uh, so she's
1: really good with kitchen figs.
0: Yeah. It's it's black, green, and white for a legendary creature human soldier. 4-4. Four, four. Whenever in offense of the foremost attacks, put a plus one plus encounter on another target tapped creature you control. If a creature card would be put into an opponent's graveyard from anywhere, exile it instead. It's just... It's a 4 4 for 3 with a super sweet ability that works really, really well with Persist and it also provides graveyard hate. Like, it's very good. Yeah. Um, especially if you're playing... Right in the mirror, f- too. You're playing four birds for Hierarch on this list. Like, you can hit that on turn two in this deck. Mm-hmm. Remarkable consistency. So, that's really good. Um, that, otherwise, is pretty much... Yeah, yeah. Those was the top four. I, I think
1: this... It does show that, you know, these mid-range decks, these Collected Company decks, which it's interesting because... The, there's definitely a difference between Bant Eldrazi and Collected Company um, Coco, like that the, the oh, Abzan yeah. Company decks, and Jund and um, Junk decks, or Abzan right. regular decks. And both of them are mid-range, but one is much more of an aggressive mid-range, and the other one is more of a controlling mid-range. Right. But when it comes down to it, we're once again some mid-range decks and a bunch of linear combo decks, and... Looking for an interesting way to kind of defeat the format.
0: Yeah, so guys, that pretty much wraps up the episode today. Um, we, I think we covered everything that was super interesting to us at PAX. Uh, Egypt, Egypt land. Did we mention that? No. Do you
1: know that? That's what's happening. The Egypt the land set after this one is Egypt themed, and Bolus is like a god king of an Egypt plane. Oh no! Yeah, that's where we're going after this.
0: That's cool. Yeah, I missed that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Egypt, there's, or? there's, uh, rumor that there'll be five gods. Huh. I think it, one of the things announcements mentions that there are five gods. We don't know if there'll be gods like before. Or there'll be fake gods, but Nickel Bolas is like subjugated five gods on. Yeah. That's pretty cool. There'll be pyramids. And bolus. We got a new version of we Bolas. Nickel Bolas. Bolas is back after like almost nine years.
0: <laughs> Do you think he'll cost like eight again or something? Nine? I have no idea. I have no idea what we're going to get from What's Bolas. What's the cheapest they could make Bolus cost and still justify it within story? Seven. You can't be less than that. Can't be less than seven. Because he's too too powerful. Yeah. It, it,
1: yeah. I, I, seven is kind of the mana cost of this is no longer regularly a thing you cast.
0: What if he like, what if he like went to Egypt and he like somehow was able to like siphon off his power to these five gods to make them powerful but he was worshipped well so he, I feel like it's the other way I
1: feel like he's like taking power from the gods
0: I know I'm just trying to imagine some way that we get like a three man nickel bolus that no I if cast. anything
1: I say we're getting like a ten mana nickel bolus I think we go up before we go down
0: <laughs> three mana grixis nickel bolus
1: <laughs> not happening
0: we it would be that would be like a time that would that would be, would be time travel plane and it would go back it would be like time spiral two and it would be like young bolus or like a baby bolus young, but even then like there are no dragons that are three mana be like a young Man, Bolas. Young man, Bolus, young demon would still be like a five drop. <laughs> I still wouldn't play it. Um, anyway, guys, that does it. Thank you so much for listening to the episode. Thank you for listening to episode ninety nine. The next time you hear from us, that'll be episode one hundred. And on top of that, you guys are gonna get our super sweet preview card from Kaladesh that we're gonna be premiering. Yeah, so that's
1: next week. So we, so the way it's gonna work is we do our hundred episode countdown stream on Saturday. Yep. Then that episode we and that's will record, live at one o'clock sneakily record our preview card. And attach it to the front of the episode uh, next the week, the following week on a Tuesday. So you'll be able to see the act or Wednesday. You'll be able, no, no, it comes out Monday. Yep. The 12th, whatever the 12th is. On the Monday. 12th, the episode will be released with our spoiler card attached to the front of it. It's going to be sick. Get ready.
0: Boomtown. 1 Check p.m. Us out.
1: on Saturday, Pacific Coast time.
0: Yep. Tune in, 1 p.m. Pacific Coast time. That's going to be uh, Twitch. Dot com slash the Twitch.tv slash the MM There you go. Twitch.tv slash the MM uh, And of course, follow us on Twitter, guys. I'm Ben Bateman Media. That's kess Wiley. And we are at the MM cast on Twitter. Check out The Command Zone, our awesome sister podcast by Jimmy and Josh. They are on rocketjump.com. We are on Patreon at the MM cast. You can help support us so we can do this. It would be awesome if you do because that's how we stream things. We buy extra equipment and stuff like that. And of course, we work with DMTW Clothing, who's an incredible lifestyle brand that helps us make great product we have a play mat for sale on dmtwclothing.com check it out thanks for listening to the episode guys and i can't wait to premiere the top 100 cards in modern history for you we'll see you on saturday bye guys thank you for your
1: attention for further inquiries send an email to the mmcast at rocketjump.com
0: see you later alligator